He who saves one life saves the world entire. And the most important life to save is your own. After all, it's the place where you have the most power. So join shadow worker and trauma therapist Laura Giles each week on It's Not You, It's Me. We'll uncover what's in shadow and learn the things you need so you can heal yourself, grow yourself, know yourself, love yourself, be yourself, and share yourself. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, it's time to drop the self-sabotage and limiting beliefs. A healthy, abundant, connected life is an option. Choose it. Subscribe. And let's start manifesting it. We are halfway through the winter, and if you observe the cross-quarter festivals, you know that one aspect of most holy days is purification. It goes right along with the yin and the yang idea that things cycle through from clean to soiled. Once we inhale pure oxygen, we have to exhale waste. If we eat, we have to release waste. That's just the natural cycle of things and the topic of today's podcast. If you're not engaging in purification on a regular basis, things get stagnant and there's no room for growth. And I'll give you two ways to do a simple but powerful detoxification every day at the end of the podcast, so stay tuned for that. But first, I'd like to welcome you to Surviving to Thriving. I'm Laura Giles, and I talk about how to use the sacred wheel of life as a template for natural, holistic living. If you're like me, you don't necessarily want anyone telling you what to do because their ways might not work for you. But nature? I think we can all agree that her cycles are more trustworthy and have a lot to teach because as within, so without. As above, so below. And Surviving to Thriving podcast brings it all down to earth so you have some practical ideas on how to make it work for your day-to-day life. If you know anyone who could use this information, please share it. And if you love it, please leave a review. Thanks. So, in honor of the promise of spring or the halfway mark through winter, I was purifying my house. I'm in the dining room and I'm cleaning the chandelier. Now, the chandelier and I have history. It's not something that I picked out of a catalog from a chain store. I'm in Egypt with a tour group of about a dozen women, and we're taking it all in. This is the no sleep till JFK tour because everyone is so hype about every single thing, and no one wants to miss any opportunity. So we haven't slept since we got here, and it's our last day. We've hit the bazaar many times, and we're doing the last sweep to make sure no treasure is left behind. I've had my eye on this lighting shop. It has all kinds of Aladdin and its magic lamp style lighting fixtures. Some are small, some are gigantic. They're the type that throw tiny diamonds or moon-shaped shadows of light on the ceiling and walls. They're all pretty, but not all practical. But I want one last look at them, so we stop in the shop. It's a tiny, narrow place that's filled floor to ceiling with lamps, sconces, dangling lights, and chandeliers. It's big ones, small ones of all colors. I have no idea which one I would take home as they're also pretty and unique. They're made of hand-blown glass, so each one's quirky and one of a kind. Like everyone, my bags are filled to bursting, and I have no idea how I'd get anything else home. The salesman assures me that he can ship it, but I don't know this guy from Adam. I'm not sure I trust that, but I really want that chandelier. So 
After some aggressive haggling, I'm the proud owner of a handcrafted Egyptian light fixture that looks like something from Arabian Nights. The shopkeeper wraps it in bubble wrap, but I don't want to put it in cargo and risk it getting broken, so I stuff it into the carry-on compartment, lug it through the airport where it feels like it gets 20 pounds heavier and I finally get it home. But the journey to my ceiling didn't stop there because it's wired for 220 and American outlets are 110, so now I have to take it to a shop and have it rewired. Then I have to have someone install it. So what started out as a good deal is now about three times more expensive. But it's finally in my dining room, giving this moody, dim glow to the space, and I've been loving it ever since. But as I take down the curtains, clean the windows, and wash every piece of glass, I'm struck with how important it is to do this for everything regularly. The windows don't look dirty, nor does the chandelier, but after the grime is washed off, wow, everything sparkles. It has this bright, airy, inviting feeling of a fresh spring day, you know what I mean? And it reveals to me all over again that if you want to let in the light, you've got to clean the glass. When I was a kid, I remember cleaning my room and moving everything around and having that same feeling. Where I didn't notice the space before, suddenly I wanted to hang out in there because it just became so enjoyable and comfortable. That's what a nice cleaning job can do. It revives things. And that's one of the reasons for purification. It's to let the light in. And it breathes new light into yourself, your environment, a relationship, or anything really. How we approach anything determines whether it's sacred, mundane, or profane. A sacred thing is something we approach uh, in reverence and mindfulness. It becomes spiritual because of our intention. A thing becomes mundane when we don't give any thought to it at all. And it becomes profane when we think negatively about it or abuse it. So as I was cleaning my dining room, it was absolutely a sacred act. It was remembering the journey that the chandelier and I took to get there. I invested a lot of time, money, and energy into it and recalled how much I have enjoyed it through the years. And I was, as I was cleaning it, I was putting all that love into the task and appreciating the object for itself. I was grateful for the uniqueness and the craftsmanship that went into the glass. And that really made the process of preparing my space for the promise of spring something sacred rather than just a task to complete as an expectation for the day. There's love in it. Purification isn't every element. When I'm doing Qigong, I might pull up fresh energy from the earth, but I might also release toxins into the earth where they can be purified. When we burn incense or aromatic smoke, the smoke is purification with air. We can purify with fire. Water is also a means of purification. And I think that speaks to the importance of it, that it's in all the elements. All spiritual traditions have purification rituals. So baptism is a Christian purification ritual. The sweat lodge is a Native American purification ritual that was done for males as they have no menstrual cycle, which is the female's monthly natural purification ritual. The Cherokee have a purification ritual of going to the water, which is not only for purification, but for giving gratitude to the water for its life-giving properties. Before engaging in ritual, purification is one of the first things that we do. If you've ever been to an old school mass, when they come down the aisle with the incense, that's what they're doing. If you've ever been to a Native American ritual, they tend to burn sage. I've seen water sprinkled for purification in pagan ceremonies because you want to engage with spirit in a pure and clean heart and mind. 
To me, purification is a way to remember who you are. You are spirit. You are love. But the act of living in a complementary dualistic universe means that there is not purity without pollution. It's the yin and the yang. So a swept porch never stays clean. The bigger reminder of this is to mind your thoughts. It's easy to get caught up in distractions, resentments, and worries. If you aren't willing to empty our minds through meditation and purify our thoughts, negativity can easily take hold. It's like the front lawn on a fall day. Nature doesn't care if you just spent half a day raking leaves the day before. You still have a pile that was blown in overnight to clear today. Nature doesn't care about your schedule or whether or not you like it. Nothing stays done. We have to be mindful and purify over and over again. It's the nature of life to change, and darkness follows light. That's just the way it works. So if you aren't mindful about purification, it's easy to neglect it, and things will slip into a new normal of dinginess or even chaos. As part of my seasonal spiritual observations, I typically do some sort of purification. It usually involves my space, but it could be dietary, uh, meditation, or something like that as well. But I really enjoy it. I enjoy observing the moon and taking a time out to refresh and renew. It really helps me to connect to the seasons, myself, nature, and the divine. It reminds me to get the energy moving so that things don't get stagnant and to pay attention to what's new now. It's so easy to just go to sleep at the wheel and not shine a light on things as they are today. For instance, I regularly clean out my closet. I don't have a lot of clothes at all, and yet I'm always finding something in my closet or drawer that doesn't fit who I am today. And I know I'm not going to wear that thing again. So even if it's brand new, I get rid of it. I purge it because it's like the story of the traveling man who came upon a big river. As he looked around, he noticed that the side he was on looked dangerous. So he searched for a boat or a bridge to get to the other side, but finding none, he gathered twigs, branches, and grass and made himself a simple raft. He used the raft to keep him buoyant and paddled with his hands and feet until he got to the other side. Once he was safely to the other side, he thought, wow, this raft has really came in handy. Maybe I should take it with me in case I need it again. And we often have the same type of decisions to make. I know the owner of a vintage boutique who just bought a hundred dresses from the 60s and 70s from an estate sale. That blows my mind. The 19-year-old woman is like the man in the raft. She held onto those dresses for 50, 60 years. And I can't imagine she actually wore them very often, if at all, in the last five decades. They aren't in style, and maybe she wasn't even the same size. I can't say whether it was worth it to her to hold on to them, care for them, store them and all that time when they weren't in use. Just saying it's something to think about. When it comes to examples like that, there's often emotional baggage that we're holding on to. It's very easy to put something away because it's too painful to look at it right now. And then it gets lost in the pile or darkness and we don't take it out again. We may not notice until we're tripping over it, can't breathe, or the load just becomes too heavy. It's really a great idea to have regular rituals for letting go. A great time for that is on the holy days or the full moon. In the pre-COVID days when I was doing monthly moon circles 
regularly, my personal growth was on fire because of incorporating that one change. It didn't take a lot of time or effort. It was just about making the choice to be mindful of looking at what was going on inside and out. Imagine how much lighter you would be if you let go of something once a month, or if you went searching for what's in shadow once a week. In Qigong, we talk about returning to the suppleness of a baby because when we're in the womb, we're super flexible. And as we grow, we get stiff and rigid. Purification is returning to our natural state. Could you imagine what it'd be like if you were that flexible, open, and full of light as an adult? I mean, think about all the rules, untrue thoughts, prejudices, and judgments that you've picked up along the way that don't even question. So I'm gonna ask you, what can you do uh, to let go of something today? Maybe you know, maybe you don't know. But if you have a process for letting go and purifying, often you don't need to know. Purifying earth refers to physical things, your body, your living space, your working space, the earth itself. If you've listened to me for any length of time, you probably heard me say that one of my pet peeves is trail trash. I hike and I really don't like it when people don't obey the leave no trace rule. I think it's a fabulous rule, not only for when we're in nature, but the way that we live through life. A lot of people worry about their legacy, but I'm thinking leave no harm behind is way more important. We all share this physical world, and if we take care of it, it'll continue to serve us in healthy ways. But this is not where we are today. We all contribute to plastic trash that goes into the ocean and strangles fishes and seals and things. It makes the water so toxic that plants and wildlife can't live there anymore. Or if they do, they're unhealthy. Then we eat those animals and take on that pollution too. This is all plants and animals, so it's all our food supply. Another big physical pollutant is that's really high on my list of things to pay attention to is food color. Nobody needs food coloring in their body, especially kids. Manufacturers use it because it looks more appealing and sells more food. But there are many studies that show that yellow, red, blue, green, all the artificial colors are dangerous to the brain. They can create side effects like rage, sleeplessness, lack of focus and concentration, mood swings, anxiety, and even suicidality. It's crazy. That's an easy thing to avoid. If we pay more attention to the garbage that we generate and trade for biodegradable things like less packaging and fewer bags, fewer additives and chemicals, more cleanliness. And by that, I don't mean sanitizing, but clean. Countries with more antibiotics and sanitizers have more Alzheimer's because we clean with chemicals that are toxins, not clean methods like soap, vinegar, and baking soda. So think about living more naturally and in harmony with the environment. Purifying the air um, refers to things we can't see. So mental things, communication, and sound. Some people think that adding plugins makes things smell pretty or even sanitary is a way of purifying the air. And it's actually polluting the air. Our ancestors were like dogs. They had such a great sense of smell that they used it for survival. They could tell which foods were safe to eat and which things to stay away from. We all emit pheromones which tell each other how sexy and fertile we are. 
And people used to respond strongly to that. And all our sense of smell is diminished because we're being overstimulated by all the artificial chemical scents that we're exposed to every day. So the brain just shuts it all down. One easy way to restore your sense of smell and become healthier is to change the products that you use. Use natural cleaning products like vinegar and baking soda. Use real natural soap, not beauty bars or detergent. When you get into the shower, your pores are open by the warm water. Then you put on scented soap, body washes, shampoo, lotion, maybe cologne that were all full of chemicals that add up in your body and they go down the drain and it enters the water table. So it's an easy choice to avoid things with artificial fragrance. Now, essential oils are natural scents that have many benefits, so I'm not talking about that. I may do a podcast on that someday, but those are great scents to use for medicines that can purify toxins from the body. So if you like scent, use essential oils. Another thing that's polluting uh, the air is electromagnetic pollution. Lots of people grew up with the internet and don't realize that all the exposure to electromagnetic pollution is dangerous. It changes your brain, your gut, the blood, and that's showing up as geriatric diseases in young people. Young people grow up with a cell phone stuck to their head all day long. Wireless baby monitors, you know, they use tablets all days. And schools have super strong wireless because there's so many people using it. And if you work in a high-rise office building, you're getting zapped with it at super strength levels too. We're often told that things are healthier, but they're not. Like my electric car. (laughs) I bought an electric car because I wanted to do my bit for the environment. And it wasn't until I started getting tired every day that in researching that I realized the amount of radiation that I'm exposed to every day from my car. Solar power also exposes us to dirty electricity, which is an invisible pollutant that comes through the air. And the best approach to, uh, is to avoid harmful electromagnetic fields by using wired internet, limiting the time that you spend in an environment where there's high EMF, don't use a microwave ever, increase the distance between you and high EMF devices, choose appliances and technology that have low EMF like a wired mouse and things like that. So don't use Siri or Alexa. And the more smart appliances you have, the more juice you're getting. You might say that you're not sensitive, but that doesn't mean you're not reactive. So sensitivity is what you notice. Reactivity is how you respond. And everybody's brain reacts to electromagnetic stimulation. Cell phone usage actually shrinks the cerebral cortex, and nobody wants that. Another way to minimize risk is through EMF blocking devices like clothes, cell phone pouches, Faraday cages, and paint. I have a hat, a shirt, a poncho, but the problem with these is that we're electromagnetic beings and these block healthy EMFs too. So you only wanna use these on a limited basis. Like if you're in a high EMF places, like when you're on an airplane or in an office building. One super easy way to reduce your exposure is don't carry your phone on your body. Turn off Bluetooth. Only use your phone when you need it and remove any device from your room like a clock or a smartwatch when you're sleeping so you have a safe place to sleep. Another really useful thing is to try dirty electricity filters if you have a smart meter. When we got our smart meter I knew instantly because I started getting headaches and dizziness and couldn't sleep. 
When I added the filters to my home and office, it stopped. And if you think this might be a problem for you, a quick way to tell is to turn off the breaker to your room when you're sleeping and see if your sleep improves. If it does, you have a dirty electricity problem. I'm going to put links in the show notes to filters that you might want to try. I've had three different ones, and these are the ones that work best for me. So it's not scientific, but just my opinion, but it's somewhere to start if you want those. I'll also link to an organization that you can check out if you want to get your smart meter removed. It's not easy. I refused permission to get one, and the power company trespassed on my property, took my analog meter, and sent me a contract saying that I couldn't opt out of the smart meter, but I could opt out of having my data stolen and sold. See, the smart meter not only pollutes your home with dirty electricity, and I think it's RF, um, it also reports every time you use an appliance. So they know when you're home. If you use a microwave or a stove, when you do laundry, how much you watch TV, and everything you do. Essentially, they're spying on you and selling that very expensive data to people who want to sell you things, which is a gigantic invasion of your privacy. So the only way that... Um, they would assist me was to offer me a contract not to track my data in exchange for my permission to have a smart meter. And you can also boost your own natural biofield by earthing or forest bathing. Earthing is having skin to earth contact every day. Forest bathing is spending mindful, slow, conscious time in a coniferous forest. So evergreens have these antibiotic, antiviral properties that you can smell in the air that leafy trees don't have. And they literally clean your brain and body. Another way to boost your biofield is to do energy work like Qigong, Tai Chi, yoga, mindful breathing, energy work like Reiki, healing touch, quantum touch, and I think, did I say meditation? Meditation. So harmful EMF is here to stay and money drives the train. So our choices matter. What we buy and how we choose to heal matters. So let's make healthy choices. Another way to purify air is through speech. How much hate speech do you utter in a day? And I don't necessarily mean attacking people based on their race, religion, sexual orientation. I mean anything that isn't loving speech. Remember that you are love. Everyone is love. When we speak in anger in ways that attack or just don't speak with respect... We're denying them their divinity and us ours. Nobody's perfect. We all say things that we could have said with more sweetness, but it's a practice, right? The more we practice and the more mindful we are, the closer we get to our pure inner essence. So what about fire? To me, this means to engage in right action. Fire is doing, it's power. When we do things that are not kind, that harm, we're not in right relationship with fire. With power comes responsibility, and if we're not using our power responsibly, we're probably being abusive. Think of the feudal days or the slave days when people were either masters or servants, depending on how much money they had, their gender, their color, their skin, and the family that they were born into. How much stuff is that? But some of us still do that through our use of power. Maybe the father dominates his wife and kids, Maybe the boss terrifies her work staff. Or maybe a John sexually buys a sex worker and uses her because he can. But it doesn't even have to be that stereotypical. It could be the person who abuses the barista because she's having a bad day. 
or the road rager who goes off on someone for not using a turn signal. If we purify a fire in the little ways that it gets out of control, the big ones don't happen. Now water is emotion, intuition, and hidden things. It's also actual water. And I live on a river and I'm always cleaning up the trash that floats down with the current. There are aluminum cans in there that look like they've been there for years. Sometimes they're tires or plastic, but mostly it's tree branches. But the county does a water quality survey every year and I don't eat fish that comes out of there because it's just not clean enough. There's too many chemicals from fertilizers, pesticides, and herbicides, so farm runoff. You think that living in the country guarantees fresh air and water, but it doesn't. And this is something that we create. Since we create it, we can change it. Water is life. But how do you purify your emotions? Do we need to purify emotions? Aren't emotions natural? I think that the biggest problem with emotions is stifling them and keeping them inside until they become toxic. So maybe purifying emotions is more about acceptance and allowing them to be as they are. And I don't mean anger and hatefulness. Emotions come from thoughts, and if our thoughts aren't balanced, wise, and clean, our emotions aren't either. If I think that my ex is a horrible pig and I wish him dead, it might be okay for me to go through that to get to the other side. If so, that's okay. If I continue to feed that and blame and complain, it's becoming pathological. Nothing's being purified here. I'm just wallowing in the pollution and spreading it around. See the difference? Dirt happens. It's a part of life. There's no way to avoid it. So my take is that we all have to learn how to clean it up. Now, what about spirit? Do we need to purify the spirit? I think that the spirit is always and forever pure, but as a trauma treatment provider, I believe that trauma is a mind, body, and soul condition that leads to soul loss. We aren't whole until the soul is purified as well. And we do that by nurturing our spiritual essence, connecting with the light, remembering that we are light. So forgiveness is on a very deep level. Forgive endlessly. It's the only way to combat separateness, and there's only oneness and separateness. So I gave you tons of tips, and now here is the first practice that I promised you to help with purification. So when you're falling asleep or just waking up, imagine that you are a being of light, and there's a filter, like a pool filter that has a screen on one end and a long stick that you use to remove leaves from the pool. And let this filter come through your light body, removing everything, no matter how small, that doesn't belong to you and isn't pure love and light. Continue to pass this filter through your light body until all that's left is your divine essence. So you may need to do it more than once. Easy, right? Takes 30 seconds or less. And people who do this tell me that it makes it much easier to let go of things that people say to them, things that people say about them, and things that people do to them. Or it, it could be stuff that they do to the others. It makes it easier to see their own stuff and to let go of things that they didn't know they were carrying. And even things that they don't know what it is. For example, I might see a blue blob in my light body. I don't know what it is, but as I pass the filter through, it grabs it and releases it, and now it's gone. Easy. I don't have to analyze it, I can just let it go. Now the second tool I offer you is also very easy. It's gonna be so easy that you probably won't do it, but 
the people who do it notice a difference pretty quickly. I'd say within three days to a week. And this balances your energy meridians in your body, stimulates the lymphatic system, and helps to reduce inflammation and helps your body to heal itself. All you're going to do is stand with your feet hip width apart, keep your knees slightly bent, and bounce softly up and down for at least five minutes. And more is more. You can do up to a half an hour. And if you want to supercharge it, and I recommend that you do, if you can, raise your arms above your head. This is especially good for women and breast health. And this is a Qigong exercise that you can't mess up except by not doing it. So I've given a very light treatment of the many ways that we encounter and generate pollution every day and how to clean it up. I invite you to purify every day. In many indigenous societies, they're really complicated funeral rituals to make sure that the dead are purified in the liminal space between dying and what comes next. It's a way of caring for your ancestors. And if you don't have anyone to do this for you, or you just want to make sure that it's done yourself, clean it up as you go. Leave no trace. If you die clean, there won't be a pile of guilt, shame, sorrow, or karmic debt that tempts you to come back and try again. You'll be done. Thoughts? Got suggestions? Let me know in the comments. And if you like the podcast, give it a like, share it with someone you care about, or subscribe. Thanks for being here. I'm Laura Giles, and I will see you next week. Ciao. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help the podcast thrive, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from Laura Giles, you can follow her on all her socials at Laura Giles 804 See you next time.